Frankie, come. Come on. Frankie, come. Good boy. Good boy. Sit. Good boy. Down. Down. Good boy. And stay. Stay. Good boy. How about you? Can you sit down and stay for the next half hour? This is Spotlight on Assistance Dogs. Hello there, and welcome once again to Spotlight on Assistance Dogs. I'm Devon from Canada. We won't observe International Guide Dog Day until the fourth Wednesday of April, which is April 28th. But I want to share with you a story which I'm calling a COVID miracle that couldn't have unfolded had it not been for a generous amount of international cooperation. Long before guide dog training centers were opened in Canada in the early 1980s, blind Canadians crossed the border to train at American schools and have become very comfortable with training staff and training methods there. Since the closure of the border between the two countries in March of 2020, the number of Canadians waiting for successor dogs has been climbing steadily. Then, in February and March of this year, CNIB guide dogs and leader dogs for the blind began negotiating. Now, Lynn Morris of Peterborough, Ontario, is partnered with a black lab golden retriever mix named Leo. CNIB guide dog president Diane Bergeron fills us in on some of the details for us. How did this get started? Did Leader get it going, or did uh, you kind of uh, make the suggestion to Leader? Um, so this started when we started kind of looking at the border closures and um, seeing the effects of what it was doing, A, to our intake process, to our application demands, because it just exploded. Um, but also in just having conversations with people who, you know, were close to getting a dog from the States and, of course, couldn't get over because of border closures, um, I contacted leader dogs. I contacted several schools in the States, as a matter of fact, and said, hey, I'm, we're desperate for dogs here because, you know, I mean, we, you have a puppy today that's eight weeks old. That's not going to help anybody with sight loss for another year and a half to two right. years. So... You know, we needed dogs now, not down the road. So I called several schools and asked if they had any dogs that, you know, they would that they would have trained, but maybe they couldn't get trained because of their own COVID issues. And um, we did hear from leader dogs did say that they had a couple of dogs. So they sent us seven. We received seven adult dogs from leader dogs. Wow. Um, that we have been working with in, in training to, for our program. They were just given to us from Leader Dogs as a, as a, as a gesture. We also, um, in some of those conversations, we, 
leader dogs if they had anybody here in Canada that needed some Africa support. And there was a couple of people that did, so we, we went and helped out a couple of their uh, a couple of their clients just with a little bit of aftercare support. But in those conversations, um, you know, we said to leader dogs and to other schools, look, if you've got if you've got clients um, and you've got a dog that you can match to those clients that you can't get across the border, we'd be happy to offer up our trainers because. For me, this isn't about this isn't about our clients or the people that are coming to participate in our program. This is about getting the right dog in the right person's hands as quickly as possible. And whether there are clients or somebody else's, if we can make that happen, then then that would be great. So we did talk to a, a few different schools and and made that offer. Some schools felt that our training methods and their training methods were just that little bit too far apart to make it happen. But Leader Dogs and Guide Dogs Foundation have both um, stepped up and said, you know, we've got some clients. So um, so that's so that's one of the things. The other thing was is that Lynn um, had been in contact uh, with uh, Leader Dogs trying to get dogs and knew that um, uh, that uh, they had a dog, you know, ready for her. Mm -hmm. They just couldn't get together. So the question came to me um, as well from the other side, from the client side, saying, hey, you know, would this be possible? And I said, well, we're happy to do it if Leader Dogs is, is prepared to do it. And so we kind of, we hit it at two different angles. It was the initiative of um the handler themselves looking, you know, contacting the school and the school knowing that we had made the offer. And between those two things, we this great partnership and collaboration has happened. And I have to say, um, this is all new to everybody, right? COVID has forced every industry around the world to start thinking outside the box and being as creative as possible. Mm -hmm. um, we were all ready to go to get uh, the dog from Leader Dogs and have it transported when um, Public Health uh, Agency of Canada, when PHAC changed the rules at the border, which stopped us from being able to cross the border to pick up the dog, um, which delayed the process, unfortunately, a few more weeks because we then had to go to the government and work with the border um, agency to try and come up with an alternative um, to getting the dog across the border. And so that added some extra people, some extra money, some extra collaborations and, and um, coordination. But, you know, uh, well, you know what it's like, Devin. Nothing is impossible if you just put your mind to it and you're determined enough to make it happen. That's true. Um, and that was something that we were very determined to do. So, um, yeah, we managed to we managed to make it work. We got the dog, and seems like everything is uh, working out very positively. Yes. Um, do I understand that he had to come in uh, through Sault Ste. Marie, Michigan? Um, no, I think Leo came in through Sarnia. Okay. Um, there was other dogs that came through Sault Ste. Marie. Those were puppies that we got. But basically what's happened is because of the rule that if you go across the border, you have to quarantine unless you're 
so, you, so we are considered um, an essential service because of SkyDuck. Mm -hmm. However, they say that as an, an essential service, the change in the border crossing was if you are an essential service, but you, you only get exempted from the quarantine rules if you are doing regular trips back and forth, and we're not. We're picking up dogs as they're available and from different borders from different places. Mm -hmm. And so... That doesn't, so it, it meant that if I sent somebody to get the dog, they could cross the border to get the dog, but when they came back, they would have to go into a hotel for 14 days in quarantine. Oh, yes. Which defeats the purpose of us doing it, because their trainers could come over and do that, right? Yeah, that's for sure, yes. So mm -hmm. we, we were trying to come up with a solution. The solution to the problem was that one of the exempted areas is transport companies whose purpose it is, whose function is to transport goods across the border. So to get Leo here, leader dogs had to transport the dog from their facility to the, near the border where we had a transport company meet them, transfer the dog from them to the transport company, then they crossed the border with the dog, and then they met with one of our staff and transported the, tra transported the dog again. Oh, my goodness. And then that person took the dog to the handler. So it, it's a lot of coordination of, of getting people meeting at the right time. And, and that all has to, of course, be coordinated with the vet that they have to meet up with at the border. Um, and you have to make sure that the border is aware and all of the documentation is, is ready to go and... So, yeah, it was, it was quite the logistical um, challenge, but wow. ultimately well worth the, uh, the effort to see uh, a happy and healthy working team. Yes, that's for sure. Well, that's great. And are you thinking you might uh, make more of those arrangements as time goes along? We have another one that we're doing soon with Guide Dog Foundation. Uh-huh. Um, they have indicated that uh, this is going to be the first time with them, um, and if if that works out, then they have indicated that there's other uh, other um, Canadian clients of theirs that they might be able to um, have us work with to get matched up with dogs. Um, the only restriction that we have, of course, is we're limited into the in the number of trainers that we have as well, right? There's only yes. so many guide dog mobility instructors on our team, right? Um, and so we have to balance making sure that we can help out other programs, but still have people training our dogs uh, in in our program as well. So we're we're trying to make sure we're getting as many of their clients met um, moving forward while maintaining uh, the need within our own program as well. So, you know, it's, it's not an instant, uh, we'll just, it's not just get the, getting the dog across the border. We then have to make sure we have a trainer that is ready to, you know, and can take two weeks to go and work with that person in their community. You know, there's, there's, they've got a string of dogs waiting for them as well. So trying to make sure that we can balance all of those back backup pieces as well. So. Yeah. Yeah, well, so it sure that we do more with later dogs. It seems to be working well. So terrific, yes, and that sure is a whole lot of coordination. But yeah, uh, I, don't, I don't know if this is. I mean, I, this could have been done before, um, but I'm not sure. I've I've never heard of it being done before. But no. it seems to be something that people are willing to try. Um, so. 
know, like I said, COVID has COVID has forced uh, creativity and and trying to figure things out. We've even got um, our our breeder. I think you know our main breeder is in Australia, and we couldn't get the puppies from Australia because of transport restrictions. So we've sent a puppy raising supervisor to Australia, and she's now working with Vision Australia CNI program and having our puppies raised in Melbourne until we can get transport to bring our puppies back over so that we didn't lose the puppies from our breeding program. Yes, that would have been a, a terrible loss. Yeah, so we're, we're doing everything that we can to be creative. Um, and a little bit maybe, you know. Yes. <laughs> a, little bit, a little bit outside that box and different from, you know, people have said, well, that's never been done before. And I'm like, well, it doesn't mean it can't be done. It just means it hasn't been. So let's, let's give it a shot. Right? Yeah, work from there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's terrific. And uh, I was listening to uh, the news a couple of days ago when they were talking about uh, exemptions being made for hockey players so that the uh, NHL season can proceed from uh, the n new divisions that they've worked out into the Stanley Cup playoffs. And I thought, if they can do that, surely something uh, must be able to be worked out with the uh, government. And it sounds like you've done a wonderful job. Well, easier if they would have just let us, you know, have the dogs transported right across the border without any of the hassle. But this is the only way that we could make it happen. We're, we're going, you know, we're doing doing that roundabout solution. It's kind of yeah. like, as you know, as a dog user, when you, it, it may not be fully accessible, but you've got the, the workarounds, you know? Yes, <laughs> that's the for sure. around until that border opens. Yeah. I suspect once the border opens even that there's still going to be a need to do some of this partnership because um, there's, you know, once that border opens, there's, there's going to be a lot of people that will need training still. And I think the American schools are going to be over, it's a terrible way to say it, but overburdened or overrun by Canadian applicants. Yes. Um, and they're not going to be able to catch up right away so potentially we might be able to continue doing this into the into the uh, into the future to see if we can help out to, in the recovery you know the post-covid recovery time frame yes mm -hmm. yeah in the meantime we have um we have upped our game when it comes to our program we're accelerating the number of puppies we're bringing in which again doesn't help us right now but we're hoping that we can um significantly increase the number of dogs that we can put out into uh, people's hands next year. Yeah. And uh, hopefully those individuals that may have a much longer waiting period um, in the States, maybe we can get some of their, um, get them a dog sooner. Um, and, and I don't know, I don't know how some people feel, uh, Devin, one of the questions we kind of talked about in in our program development was, yeah, we can extend our, you know, we can extend our programs quickly, quickly. but what happens when the border opens? Will all those people that were going to come to us suddenly go back to the States again? And I said, well, that's possible, but as, as a guide dog handler myself, my brain goes to, if they can close the border once, it can close again. Well, that's true. 
Um, and I would be looking to find um, a program within within Canada that would be able to get me my dogs just to, to save that concern moving forward. But that's just me. Other people may have other thoughts, and they have, of course, loyalty to schools that they've used in the States before. Yeah. But um, anyways, we're going to try. We're up in our game. We're going to try to make sure that there's as many people as possible um, getting good quality dogs and doing what we can. That's great. Now, uh, Leo, um, when he's finished his training, so then will he be considered uh, a CNIB guide dog or a leader dog? No, he's a leader dog. He's he's there. He's their uh, dog. Um, their team. We're here if they need us to do aftercare support. Okay. But uh, he is completely their their client. Yeah. Okay. Well, kudos to you and and uh, to um, also the transport company that assisted in getting Leo across the border. And uh, um, I'm going to make sure that as many people know about this as possible so that uh, the transfer of, of guide dogs is, uh, you know, becomes easier and easier, hopefully. Yeah, and, and I think, you know, it's not going to work with every um, every school and every dog and every client. So there's going to be, I'm sure, some, you know, this, this is because it's never been done. We're going to find some, uh, you know, there's going to be a few bumps in the road as to how it's going to work and making sure that we can do what we can. But, uh, you know, I go back to the original sort of thought of this is it doesn't matter who's, whose client it is, it's what what matters to me and to the program is it's one more independent blind person, um, you know, or one person, one more blind or partially sighted person gets their independence and freedom back. That's what matters. Where the dog comes from, who the relationship belongs to is irrelevant. It's, just, it's one more Canadian with independence, and that's the key piece, I think, for us is, we, we need to do what we can to make that happen. Well, that's terrific, uh, and um, that's that's great. Now, thank you for doing that. Um, I'm sure there there will be a number of Canadians who who benefit, and uh, uh, they will definitely appreciate that. Well, thank you very much, Devin. I appreciate it. It's it's. Uh COVID's been a challenge, but boy, has it ever stressed our, our creativity and imagination. That's for sure, yes. If we didn't know anything about that before, we've certainly, certainly learned a whole lot this time. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Well, thanks very much, Diane. Really appreciate this. Lynn, along with her husband, John, and his dog, Casey are next-door neighbors of mine, so I thought it would be a good idea to have a brief chat with her. And now I'm talking with Lynn, and in the background you'll hear the jangling and jingling of uh, tags on collars, as well as the odd, um, yes, hog uh, speaking as well. So, hi Lynn, how are you doing? I'm doing good. Good. 
So let's start at the, your beginning. Um, have you always had um, impaired vision? Yes, I have. Uh-huh. Okay. What was the, the cause of it? Do they know? I have retinitis pigmentosa. Ah, okay. Yes. All right. Um, so when did you decide to get your first dog? I decided to get my first dog in 2003. Uh-huh. And, and you had a, a female black lab, right? Yes, I had a female black lab named Gail was my first one. Uh-huh. And uh, then you got your second one? In, in 2012. Oh, okay. Yeah, and that was, uh, she was also a black lab, wasn't she? She was a black lab golden retriever cross. Oh, okay. But she had to retire recently. Yes, she did. Um, due to she was going going blind because of uh, cataracts. Oh yeah, that was too bad. <laughs> but uh, can't uh, you can't sacrifice safety. No, you can't. So, so um, and then you decided to change schools after Lois, did, didn't you? Yes, I did. I decided to change from pilot dogs to leader uh, dogs for the blind in uh, Rochester Hills, Michigan. Okay. Your husband is uh, currently uh, the district chair for Lions? Yes, he is. For leader. For leader dog. Yeah. yeah. So now you have uh, two leader dog boys recently. Yes, yes we do. Yeah. How long... Were you waiting in between dogs? I've been waiting a year for the dog that I have now, Leo. And uh, just after you applied, um, COVID uh, interfered. Yes, it did. How often did you experience ups and downs about, yes, you're going to get a dog, no, you can't, you have to wait, oh, yes, you can, that sort of thing? Um, I think it was probably about, like, four or five times over the last year that we've been, that I've been waiting. Wow. Yeah. So how did it all turn out in the end? It turned out that um, thanks to a friend who is our president for Guide Dog Users of Canada has a guide dog from CNIB Guide Dogs. She approached them on my behalf to say if they'd be able to work with me and leader dogs to get the dog up here to me. How did they go about doing that? Do you know? I'm not really sure. Okay. Um, I think we'll be able to get that information from my interview with uh, Diane Bergeron uh, from CNIB Guide Dogs. Yes. So now, how long have you had uh, Leo? I've had Leo since last Tuesday. Okay, let me see. Uh, today is the 30th of March, so yeah. that would have been the 23rd, uh, 20, yeah, 23rd, 23rd of March. Of March. Yeah. And uh, you're getting home training? Yes, I'm getting home training from CNIB Guide Dogs. Uh-huh. Will you consider this a, a CNIB guide dog or a, a leader dog? It's a leader dog. Okay. And once the uh, training is over, you'll be 
calling leader dogs uh, if, if you need to talk uh, about anything to do with Leo, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. How uh, have you enjoyed the home training? I really enjoyed it. Good. Have you have you managed to get everywhere you'll, you'll need to go with Leo? Yes, we have. We've been doing buses. We've been doing... We've been walking. This morning we did uh, traffic checks to make sure that he was going to be okay with his uh, disobedience with the traffic. Yeah. So we've been doing a fair amount of stuff. So you've been outside for a lot of it then, eh? Yes, we have been. Mm -hmm. Have you had to wear um, masks and that sort of thing? Yes, we have. Does anyone seem to mind, you know, uh, as far as stores go, that you've gone in and out of? No, they seem to be totally fine. And your training finishes? My training finishes uh, Friday. And you, you feel confident with your pooch? Yes, I feel very confident with them. Oh, good. Great. Well, thank you. Unfortunately, we weren't able to reach somebody from Leader Dogs prior to our deadline. International Assistance Dog Week is in August, and I hope to have an equally heartwarming story for you then. This just about brings us to the end of this month's show, though. So I will thank you so much for listening, and we will see you again on Friday, May 21st. Until then, have a good month. Bye for now. Oh, <laughs> oh,
Oh, <laughs> 